Hello and welcome to All Villa No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. What an incredible win we have just witnessed. Aston Villa 4, West Ham 1. Professor Unai ends yet another hoodoo as we put the Hammers and David Moyes to the sword. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Well, I tell you what, reality for Aston Villa for the last 30 years has been frustration, underwhelming, annoyance, looking at a team and thinking we could be so much more than what we are and that we need a manager to come in who is larger than life, somebody who has an inspirational quality about them. And perhaps a long last... We're just under a year into Unai Emery's reign. It feels like we've found that manager for the first time since the late, great Ron Saunders. We have found a manager who is doing things that you cannot watch and think anything other than the idea. But we're seeing something unique and very, very special as Aston Villa fans. Long Long may it continue. Thank you, Professor Unai, for opening the Unai-versity at Aston Villa, where every game feels like it has a plan, a plan that was thought through. You're not just going out and hoping for a bit of magic. You're not just sending players out there lazily, telling them to just, oh, you know, stand here and do that or do this or whatever. Instead, every single player, as as the great Dwayne The Rock Johnson says, Know your role. It feels like every player at Villa knows their role. And what happens as a consequence? The opposition shut their mouths. As you may have guessed, I'm actually flying solo this week. George is away, but we'll be back for the next uh, review. So, where to even start with that Aston Villa 4, West Ham 1. Aston Villa 4, West Ham 1. We never, ever beat West Ham. We never beat David Moyes. Eight years it's been. Ten games it's been since we beat the Hammers. What's Professor Unai done since he took over at Villa? Right? Not only has he turned us into one of the most attractive and amazing football teams in world football to watch. Yeah, I said it, world football. He's ended numerous hoodoos, numerous curses. And he set his stall out in the first game. A game I was at and I was sat in the Trinity Road stand and we beat Manchester United 3-1. It had been 27 long years 27 years since we'd beaten Man United at Villa Park. And I was at that game in 1995, first game of the season. Never win anything with kids match. I was there with a couple of my relatives who'd come over from Ireland to watch it. My granddad. All of us there. And that was a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And it felt, you know, it felt like over 27 years we'd maybe just all I would ever see with Villa was frustration. A team that 
you know, had such a great history, such a big name, such a big fan base, something that could be more than what it was. But it just felt like we never quite found the manager to make us into what we could be. You know, Atletico and Madrid were a team that for years were laughed at, a team that couldn't beat their great rival Real Madrid, a team that you never dreamt could, you know, after a relegation early in this century, could be a team that could come back and win La Liga against the absolute might of Real Madrid and Barcelona. And then Diego Simeone turned up. And he was that larger-than-life manager who made them know and made them play to the level that they should play. Two Champions League finals, La Liga twice, multiple Copa del Reyes uh, or Copas del Rey and uh, Europa League on uh, a few occasions as well. Tottenham Hotspur, another club that for years were sort of like Villa and Everton in the Premier League, just kind of there in the middle. Potentially, you know, you'd have seasons where you might just threaten that top four position, but then you'd kind of fall away and everyone would laugh at you and people would say, lads, it's Tottenham. Just as when Man United came to Villa, they probably thought, lads, it's Villa. Everyone, you know, Gary Neville, all these other pundits who always say how much they loved coming to Villa. Well, of course they loved coming to Villa because it was comfortable. It was easy. And now... You come to Aston Villa, you're Everton, you lose 4-0. You're Crystal Palace, you lose 3-1. You're Brighton, who everybody raves about and says how brilliant Deserby is and says how fantastic he is and how he's going to take over from Pep Guardiola. What happened to Brighton? They lost 6-1, following on from losing 2-1 at the end of last season. Newcastle, the indestructible force seemingly, came to us in April. What happened to them? They got battered 3-0. And what happened to West Ham, a team who don't concede goals? David Moyes traditionally is a manager who doesn't concede goals. A team who are performing really well this season. A team I have massive respect for and I have huge respect for David Moyes. And I think that what he's done there is an incredible job, particularly winning the Conference League. And they've lost Declan Rice and they've risen to that this season. They're performing really well. And to me, they are an acid test because I think that the top eight this season, or the clubs you think will be in the top eight, there's not much between them. There are so many top, top teams up there right now that you could just pick, take your pick and see a top four and say, say it could be any of them. It's a raffle. And it's probably going to come down to who has the deepest squad, right? But West Ham are a team that's going to be a differentiator in there because some of those top teams are going to go play at West Ham and lose. Some of those top teams are going to have West Ham come to them like and, you know, at Tottenham or an Arsenal or a Man United or whoever. They're going to have West Ham come to them and they're going to, you know, not break them down, get a frustrating draw, or maybe even lose like Brighton did, you know, like Chelsea did. Both of them lost to West Ham this season. Like I said, a very impressive job David Moyes has done there. But I tell you what, they turn up at Villa Park and they're probably thinking, we've got this. We're informed, we're confident. We always beat Villa. We always do well against them. And it didn't happen for them. They lost 4-1. I don't even know where to start, really. Um, and, you know, I've just sort of waxed lyrical here. And thank you know, thank you if you've managed to make it this far of me, just rambling on, ranting on. But, you know, as a Villa fan, this feels special. It feels unique. And I am going to, you know, celebrate it because you never know how long this stuff lasts, you know. But it's impossible not to watch Aston Villa play right now and think, this really could be the start of something. This could be, you know, when Mauricio Pochettino went to Tottenham or Harry Redknapp went to Tottenham and got them into the Champions League. This could be the moment when Diego Simeone went to Atletico Madrid and made them more than what they thought they were. 
Can Villa be that? It's going to be really tough. The Premier League's more competitive in the top half than it's ever been in its history. Some unbelievable teams in there. But Villa really are setting their stall out now. 11 wins in a row at home. A centre midfielder in Douglas Louise, who was absolutely magnificent again against West Ham with two goals. A midfielder in Douglas Louise who can't stop scoring at home. A midfielder in Douglas Louise who should be starting for Brazil. A player who, to me, I think has entered that Grealish zone where, you know, Grealish for Villa was a talisman, wasn't he? And he was leagues above every other player at that time who was with Villa when we were fighting to stay up. He just was, right? Now, I don't think Villa rely on talisman anymore. I think as a squad, everybody's really bang at it. And I'm glad that we don't rely on, you know, one player. But I can't help but think that Douglas Ruiz looks to me like a player who is at the level of what Grealish was at his best for Aston Villa. He looks like a player who could play for any midfield in the world. But, you know, for all that excellence that he showed, I watched Professor Unai's talk uh, interview after the game. And as always, what a classy man. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd recommend reading his interview in The Times if you can. And he said something that really caught my attention where he said uh, he never wants Aston Villa to rest on their laurels. And he said something about how brilliant Douglas Louise was, but also he relaxed a little bit too much at times in the second half. The best coaches in the world, whether that's in you know, football, acting with directors, whether it's in you know, business, whatever it is, the best in the world, to my view are not these bullshitters who tell you how brilliant they are, flash the cash at you, tell you how great they are, how I rose to the top doing all... No, they're not self-aggrandizing imbeciles, right? Like someone who... I don't know. I won't go into it. But they're not self-aggrandizing imbeciles. And it's not people who neg you all the time, right? That might work for a period of time, you know? But to me, to my mind, the very, very best are people who will praise you when you have done something that warrants praise, but will also be looking at something and think, you know what? I think he can still get better at this. And it's to a realistic, um, you know, honest kind of recognition of looking at somebody like a Douglas Louise and thinking, you can be the absolute pinnacle of a centre midfield, a centre midfielder in this sport. But to get there, you still have to have, whilst you've got 89 minutes of brilliance, that one minute of relaxing too much, you can't have that. Lionel Messi never relaxes. That's why he is the best that he is. And all the greatest players in history are players who never, ever stop, ever. They are always at their best. And I think what makes Professor Unai so special is that I guarantee you, he will have watched every single player's performance today and he'll Tell them you were, you know, to Ollie Watkins, you were brilliant at this point. You did this fantastically. You know, you've improved here and you've done all this so well. This is one moment here where you could have done this. And to deliver it in a way that really gets into them that they think, you know what, I want to play for this person. It's inspirational because I don't want somebody who's always just going to tell me how brilliant I am. I want somebody who's also going to tell me, Do you know, what? this is where you can also improve. Always looking to improve. That is an elite mentality. And there is absolutely no question that Unai Emery is an elite manager. He just is. You know, Pep Guardiola is the best manager in the world. Jurgen Klopp is up there with him as well, of course. Incredible, incredible managers. Unai Emery has achieved 
amazing things in football, right? Watching what he's doing at Villa, he's playing in a style that I do not recognise from his history of playing. He's To me, and I think Jamie Carragher said this after the game, it was fascinating he said this, because I've been thinking it myself, that he, he always reminded me a little bit of a bit Benitez, a bit Rafa Benitez, little bit saved you first at times. You know, when I used to watch him in for Valencia back in the day, Sabir as well. Um, but he's adapted. And Aston Villa now look like one of the most attractive attacking teams in the Premier League. And what we're seeing today against uh, West Ham, Villa uh, passing it from back to front, and we've been doing this all season, finding those little passes through the lines it's absolutely incredible to watch the triangles that work, getting put under pressure when we have our defenders on the ball or the, the goalkeeper on the ball. Pass Martinez out to concert. A West Ham player puts him under pressure, so he passes it out wide to Luca Dean. Luca Dean, a quick one into Douglas Ruiz. Douglas Ruiz back to Edri Concert. Edri Concert quickly back to Martinez. Martinez switches the play, or it comes to Martinez and he sees that Zaniolo is uh, right on uh, Kufal, and Zaniolo is stronger and bigger than Kufal. So if you can get a, a direct ball into his chest, the, the likelihood is that Zaniolo's got the technical quality to hold it up and win it against Kufal. You know, in the middle there today for Villa, the box shape, we've been doing this all season to say, you got Kamara, Louise, you got McGinn, and you got, um, I don't know, Diaby sometimes drops in there. Zaniolo was in there today. That four, it they played to me like a five-a-side team, right? Because they're all so close together. And I used to say this about Pep Guardiola's Barcelona. I used to think they reminded me of a small-sided... They play 11-a-side like it's a small-sided game. It's 6-a-side, 5-a-side. And in those forms of the game, you generally keep the ball on the floor because there's no point kicking it over because it's going to hit the wall and bounce off, whatever. So it's almost like you're playing like there's a wall around the pitch. You don't want it to bounce off. And if you hit it long or you knock it over the top, usually that's a bit of a gamble, but it's it's a sort of calculated gamble that rather than it just being hit and hope, which is traditionally what English football was when I grew up, my first ever game, by the way, when I was seven years of age, was an 11-a-side against another group of seven-year-olds on a man's 11-a-side pitch. Why do you think technically our generation was so bloody rubbish? I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? And you look at it now and you've got you know, players like Phil Foden, Jude Bellingham, Jack Grealish coming through, Jacob Ramsey. Players were so un unbelievably comfortable on the ball. Aaron Ramsey has gone up to Burnley. The techni technical quality of these players. And at Aston Villa, we've got a manager who's come in and encouraging these players to play like that and telling players, you know, you know, like a John McGinn, who you never thought, you know, a lot of people may have not thought he'd have the technical ability to play like this. But today against West Ham, the amount of times he'd get a ball and just a little quick one into uh, into Musa Diaby, or it would come back to who'd then look up and his link up with Ollie Watkins was just first class. A ball into Watkins, who you know, a good example of that was right at the start of the game, and it came into Watkins, great touch, but he just slightly dragged a shot wide. Should have done better, but you know, he's a striker. That's what happens. You know, you miss chances, you score chances. Um, but then you know, Zaniolo, I thought was really first half absolute quality because not only when he got the ball was he causing West Ham problems, but his positioning was world-class. Now, maybe Professor Unai told him to, to stand in a certain role. Maybe he watched, you know, like I say, Professor Unai for the last two weeks ain't been sitting around playing Legend of Zelda. 
He ain't playing Tears of the Kingdom. He ain't solving shrine quests for uh, Link and Zelda. No. Professor Uno's been watching West Ham videos. Right? He cancelled his Netflix subscription because he don't need to watch any more episodes of Seinfeld. As great as that show is. Instead, he's watching West Ham videos and maybe he identified a little chink in the armour for a team that is so well structured and playing so well under David Moyes. And Zaniola was just finding a just standing behind James Ward Prowse and it met, and it just caused West Ham all kinds of problems. And with that winger pushing up into in Luca Dean, it's almost like do you stick or twist against Villa? Do you do you press us? Do you sit off us? Because if you sit off us, we're going to tear you apart. If you press us, we'll find a way around it. It's a really we're a very difficult team to play against. The only one that's impressed me so far this season against it was Liverpool. We were brilliant, brilliant. Jurgen Klopp, what a manager. But Zanio was finding those those spaces. And it's a little surprise our first goal came about from something Zaniolo did. And that was Watkins got the ball back to him. Zaniolo then took it smartly. He learned his lesson because there was one point he did really well. Should have pulled it back to Musa Diaby. Missed that ball and hit it across and the keeper caught it. Second time he gets into a very similar position. He's learned his lesson and he pulls it back. And there's Ollie Watkins. And Ollie Watkins... You know, he didn't have a lot of time. He had a couple of West Ham players around him. Um, but sometimes I think the best players in football, to my mind, and I like to think, you know, I, you know, I wish I wish I could do this myself to the level that these players do it, where it's like I think the best players in football know that they don't have a lot of time on the ball, but they have more time than most people think they do. So they stay calm which is why they always look like they have time on the ball. And it's why they always look composed because they're able to just hold on to it just to that last millisecond. And that's what Watkins did today. And that's the form he's in. I think there were about three West Ham players who were coming up to him and I thought, oh, has he just held on to it that bit too long? No, knocked it into Douglas Louise. The awareness of no Louise is there. And in he comes, super shot. Maybe it took a slight touch off the West Ham defender. But Douglas Louise, the form he's in. Wow, we've got a very... Very, very special midfielder there. Thank you for listening so far. I mean, God, I've only just got to the first goal. I've been rambling on so long. Um, you know, feel like just a rambling man, as Bob Dylan would call it, probably back in the sixties. Write a song about it. Probably some very sad, tragic song about some guys sitting here blabbering on about Villa for so long. But look, things are so good. I mean, why can't I? Why shouldn't I? But Villa, first half. I thought we just outclassed West Ham um, and I think we could have been 2-0 up. I think we made them look very static in their 4-2-3-1. Um, I think we looked a far more dynamic team and I still think opposition sides, particularly at Villa Park, are not yet working out how to play it. Um, you know, we'll have some real quality teams to come against us, I'm sure, very soon and there'll be big tests, but I, you know, I'm looking forward to that. I really am. Um so, but I think, you know, towards the end of the first half, there were a couple of warning signs, I think, from West Ham. Um, you know, Jared Bowen's in really exceptional form. He's a really high-quality player, Bowen now. Um, and he just looks like he's going to do something. And there was, you know, Lucas Paqueta had a, a chance where he took that bicycle kick and mishit it, and that could have been a goal. I think Bowen had a, ch a chance from the outside of the area, again, where he thought maybe it could take a deflection and go in. But that was what kind of West Ham looked like they were relying on. Mikel Antonio looked very off form. I think that benefited us quite well because when the ball came into Antonio, there were periods of time in the last few seasons where you'd think, oh, okay, he's going to bully a defender. He's going to 
um, you know, run at them and he's going to lay the ball off or something. But he looked today like he just what his 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 mind wasn't quite where it's been at the last couple of seasons, and he made a couple of the wrong decisions. Um, very unlike him. Um, I've not watched a lot of him recently. I don't know what sort of form he's in, but I was surprised at how he struggled today. Um, maybe that says something about our defense. Esri concert, you know. I mean, what what's Gareth Southgate seeing? I mean, he's absolutely unbelievable. He's a he's a Rolls Royce defender. He's a Rolls Royce. Del Boy in Only Fools and Horses would be proud to be driving that Rolls Royce. I tell you, he'd be dreaming about it, growing up, saying lovely jubbly if you saw it drive past in the street, saying, That's what I want. That's what I dream of. Um, you know, that's what Esri Concer is. Pau Torres, um, you know. Again, defended really well today. I'll, I'll say something about Paltero's delivery today, actually, uh, a little bit later for the, when it comes to the third goal from Watkins. Second goal, though, you know, what I liked was that Villa, whilst the end of the first half had started, a little bit like West Ham might be just finding form. At the start of the second half, something I really liked um, was that Villa have not been starting these hard second halves as on form um, as the first halves generally. I think we've been a bit slow to start in the second half. And I don't know whether that's because we've been quite comfortable in a lot of the first half games we've played recently. But we came out in that second half. And I was, I think if I was a West Ham fan, I'd be very disappointed at how West Ham came out. They didn't seem fired up and they didn't seem like they'd, you know, um, come out with much of a, much energy. And I think Villa just came out and continued as they had in the first half um, for large parts of it where we were in control. And, you know, we got that ball high up the pitch. Lucas Paqueta takes it. Big credit to Bubakar Kamara, putting him under pressure. Um, Paqueta couldn't find a way out. Tries to make a clever pass, but Concert, of all people, is up there, wins that ball back, wins the penalty. And Douglas Ruiz is calm and composed when he's on that ball in midfield. He was calm and composed with the penalty again. Supreme penalty taker. And the reason he's so good at them is because he's technically quality. And because he's composed, he's a calm man. Quality. You just believe him, don't you? Every time you see him stepping up for a pen, you think, you know, Matt Letizia, that sort of uh, calmness. And Letizia, you know, before he went absolutely mad, um, was an incredible penalty taker. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, that 2-0, you'd think Villa would go on and then sort of, you know, dominate it and hopefully go on and win 3-0, something like that. But West Ham, again, you know, they're, they're a team that are built on a really good spirit, good um, organisation. I think they probably should have got Mo Kudus on a bit earlier, maybe even made that change at half-time, because they need to change something. Um, but Jared Bowen, I said it, you know, in that first half, there were one or two signs where he thought he's going to take a shot and maybe he'll get that lucky deflection. And boy, boy, oh boy, did he get a lucky deflection. It came off Luca Dean, um, I think it was. I, I think at first it looked like it came off Pau Torres, but it came off Luca Dean. Um, and as soon as it came off Dean's foot, I thought, oh, God, it's going in it. And you just thought that's what West Ham needed. And, um, you know, full credit to to Bowen for it. It was, you know, he took his chance and it happened. Uh, I, I'd say uh, there's not much I can criticise about that goal, I think, but I'd be interested to know what Unai Emery would say about it. Would he think, you know, could Dean have reacted differently body-wise. I'm just nitpicking a bit there. But what I would say, and where you would criticise Villa today, and where I'm sure Emery would have a few things to say, is that we kind of lost control of the game a bit then. Um, and we did that against Brighton when they got a goal back to make it 3-1. There was a period of time where you thought, I think Brighton's going to make it 3-2 here. And again, today, you were like, we soaked up the pressure, but we were, we you know, we were making poor passes, poor decisions, 
Luca Dean really struggled with Bowen for about 10 minutes there. But, you know, I think where we're fortunate now is that we have attacking players who are absolutely high quality and are going to take a chance if it comes more often than not. And that's exactly what happened. Ollie Watkins, what a finish. Gareth Southgate saying recency bias. Can't have recency bias because he scored a hat-trick against Brighton or whatever and scored a goal against Chelsea. Scores again today. When it comes to recency bias, what the hell is he talking about? What are you on about, Gareth? You know, this guy has gotten double figures for about three seasons in a row. He's about to make it four seasons in a row. Few, I don't think there's any striker in, in the Premier League other than maybe Erling Haaland, who has more goal involvements over the last year. It ain't recency bias. Ollie Watkins is an absolutely brilliant striker in every single regard. He's got the skill of a winger. So when he runs at a, a, a defender and he takes them on and he's coming in from a wider position, you think he's going to beat them. And He did it against Brighton and he did it again today. Now let's start from the beginning with that goal, right? Paul Torres tries to send the ball into um, John McGinn, right? And Kudus miscontrols it and McGinn gets the ball. Now, what I will criticise about that is that that was in that spell where Villa kept giving the ball away with sloppy passes. And I think today... And I'll say that I bet Unai Emery noticed it. I bet he'll say Pau Torres defended really well. And of course, his distribution, there was one beautiful pass he played into Zaniolo running behind in the first half. But what I would say, there was a couple of times he tried to make a bit of a crossfield ball. And every time, I mean, three times I can think of the top of my head, he got um, a West Ham player got, got on the end of it. So I'm sure, you know, he'd, he'd want better from himself because he's a brilliant distributor of the ball. And so, you know, I'm sure he'll go away, think about it, and, you know, hopefully that won't happen again. But we got a bit lucky because Kudos miscontrolled it and McGinn was able to get to it. And John McGinn, that trademark curved left-footed ball over the top, Ollie Watkins getting onto it. Just a brilliantly weighted pass from John McGinn, who's just, he just looks like an Alex Ferguson era Manchester United player. He does. He's a Man United, Alex Ferguson era player. He's a winner and he's got real, real quality. Underrated player in world football. Anyway, great ball over to, jo to Ollie Watkins. Watkins, now, you're thinking maybe he's going to cut inside against uh, like he did against Brighton and, and score, like I think he did twice against Brighton. Now, West Ham, very cleverly, on a couple of occasions, have got that wing midfielder, CDM, to come back and block that cut inside from Watkins. And I saw that James Will-Prowse was sprinting back to block off in case Watkins did try and cut inside against Zuma. But instead, Watkins just smashes it on his left foot. Do you know how good a shot has to be to beat a, a, a goalkeeper of Areola's quality at the near post in the roof of the net? You have to be absolute elite quality striker to do that. Unbelievable. What a finish. And to, to get Villa out of the mess we'd sort of got ourselves into, where we'd been sloppy for 10 minutes, let's face it, the only 10 minutes of the game where Villa didn't look quite right. And you got a, a, an attacking player of Watkins' quality, a chance would come, hit them on the counter when they're trying to press, and we just bury it. I mean, it's it's what do you stick or twist against Villa? What do you do? Because as soon as you try and press, take the, the you know, you try and press Villa and force a situation. We'll hit you on the break. We have the players to do that. And then we have the players to hurt you when we control the game, like we did against Everton when we battered them 
like the SmackDown, as Rock said, People's Elbow, Rock Bottom, Stone Cold Stunner, Atomic Leg Drop. You know, I, I, I just, I'm so happy. I'm so, this is the happiest I've been. And honestly, it's been a tough month. Honestly, a really tough month. So I've not been able to do as much with all Villa and Ophila this month. There's a few things going on generally with move and flat. It's been um, not the easiest, but Aston Villa, you know, thank you, Professor Runei, for making everything so much better, for giving me an all Villa fan something to look forward to every weekend and every Thursday night. And long may it continue. Um, and then the fourth goal. You know, Villa then got control of the game after Ollie Watkins had come to the rescue like Superman saving a cat up a tree. And uh, Leon Bailey. Now, there's a player who I've said for a long time on this podcast, there are moments where he looks unplayable and fantastic like he did when we beat Man United 3-1 last season at home. He was absolutely 10 out of 10 in that game. But there has been a lot of occasions with Leon Bailey in the two full seasons he's had with Villa where you look at him and you think, what is what's there? What's going on? You know, like what what am I seeing here? You know, like some days you look all right, and then you'll have a or but then you'll have a game where you've misplaced a pass at the start of the game, and you look like it's got to you a bit. It's like you're not quite believing in yourself. <clears throat> and to witness what he did, uh with that fourth goal was a continuation of what we've been seeing from him this season. And Professor Uno said it in the post-match um, interview. He said, I know the quality that Bailey has, but it's the consistency. That's what we need to see from him consistently. It's like he's been listening to this podcast. Hello, Professor Uno. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. You're not listening to this podcast, but, you know, I dare to dream. I dare to dream. Ozzy Osbourne, I dare to dream you're listening. Anyone, any any Villa fans. Um, but Tom Hanks, hello. Forrest Gump's a great film, mate. It is, honestly. Makes me weep every time it happens to Bubba. I won't think about that. I won't think about that. But look, so a good ball from Yuri Tielemans, really pinpoint through the eye of a needle. Uh, into Leon Bailey and, Le and Tielemans is, you know, he did made a couple of passes like that against Palace a few weeks ago. Made that sort of pass today, you know. I know he's not happy about not starting and all that, but it's hard to get past Louise and Kamara. And uh, if you can keep making passes like that, those starts will come, won't they? Um, and Leon Bailey back to goal, turning and just beating um, Aguerd, the West Ham defender, like that, sending him one way, turning the other top corner that's maybe maybe the best moment I've seen from Leon Bailey in an Aston Villa shirt it was a world class goal world class um, and he's been playing exceptionally well this season since that Everton game where he um, you know got a goal against Everton got an assist played really well with Moussa Diaby he's been looking really at it Bailey um, really impressive so amazing to see that you know so 4-1 is how it ended Aston Villa in cruise control. What a performance. Not many teams will beat West Ham 2-0 this season, let alone 4-bloody-1. Not many teams will do that. Not many teams this season will beat Everton 4-0, Palace 3-1, Brighton 6-1, and West Ham 
Not many teams will do it. That Those are the sorts of results that Arsene Wenger's Arsenal used to get. Those are the kind of results you think West or um, Man City will do. We're witnessing something incredible here. And, you know, Emery has a, around him a, a Monchi. He has Vidigani. He has uh, a coaching staff like Austin McPhee, who's doing an incredible job. Paco Esteren. He's got a, a club that's in his image, a fan base that can't believe what it's seeing and holds him in such high regard. There's not many managers in football that will ever get a job where it's this, you know, the conditions are just there for something very, very special to happen with owners who have a lot of ambition. And, you know, we're going up against teams that have, you know, incredible financial backing. Man City run by a nation state. Newcastle run by a nation state. Well, you know, apparently it's distant from the state, the public investment fund. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure, right. Mm. Oh, well, we can do it. We can win trophies with this Villa, this squad of players. And we have players to come back, you know, Emi Buendia at some point this season, hopefully. You've got Jacob Ramsey on his way back. You know, it's unfortunate what happened to him, but, you know, hopefully in the next month or two, we'll see him again. Alex Moreno with a really tough hamstring injury. But, you know, that squad, you look at it, you think, you know, it's it's going to be hard to compete with these top teams. Um, and, you know, as the season progresses with more European football, as the pressure cranks up, a Villa of old would not, would collapse in a February, for instance. That's what we did under O'Neill. It's what we did under John Gregory. But we're not the Villa of old. The Villa of old would not have held on against West Ham today. We sure as hell wouldn't have beaten them 4-1. The Villa of old would not have beaten Brighton the way we did. The Villa of old, you know, doesn't beat Crystal Palace with two goals in injury time. Villa of old doesn't smash Everton 4-0. Doesn't go away to Wolves and draw 1-1, having gone 1-0 behind and score an equaliser almost immediately and then almost win it at the last kick of the game. Villa of old don't do that. We're not the Villa of old. It ain't lads, it's Villa anymore. It's something different and something special. Um, and, you know, you know, we, who knows how long it lasts? And, of course, there will be rocky spells this season. It ain't all going to be sunshine and flowers and whatever. But you just kind of feel that there's a belief within these players and, you know, a, a an intelligence within our manager... And, our, and a real belief and excitement amongst this great fan base that we can believe that something's good's going to happen here. Why not? Because, you know, it's been a long old time of seeing Villa be, frankly, quite abject. And I'll leave you with something that Emery said in the post-match again. You know, I remember when Villa were chasing top four under Martin O'Neill, right? I won't name the player, but... I will never forget reading an interview with one of our main players from that time. It was about 2008. And they asked him what his ambition was this season. And he said to finish fourth. And that always stuck with me, that did. It made me think, if you're if you're a Premier League player and you're playing at a team that's really competing at the top at the moment, as Villa were, you know, there was a period until February where Villa were like top three, you know, and then we collapsed, of course. But 
to me, I thought that was weird. I thought it was a weird thing to read. I thought, what would you do? You think Roy Keane, as a player, would think, "I want to finish fourth. I want to finish second. The absolute best players and players who know they're playing for a team that deserve to be at the top don't think I want to finish fourth. And after the game today, Emery was asked, "Do you think something's happening here at Villa? What do you think can happen?" And Emery said. We're not contented to be in the top four. He said, we're not contented to be in the top seven. And my heart just, my heart, like, it was like seeing the love of your life walk in and, you know, time just stops. You know, when Shakespeare wrote all those beautiful sonnets, is, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? And I kind of felt like I wanted to write something like that. You know, for the Basque Bond, he looked very suave. That haircut, I'll tell you what, he could be the the Basque James Bond, I'm telling you. But to hear him say that and to truly believe, like, look, in the in the real world, we all know Man City's probably going to win the league. But if you're competing, what, why would you think I want to finish fourth? Because suddenly you're contented to think, ah, oh, draw, well, it's not the worst. Why would why would you, you want to go home pissed off that you lost or that you drew? You want to go home, you know, and sit sit in a darkened corner for a little bit, thinking over right what what could I have done better? What how could I have won that game? And it doesn't matter who it's against, whether it's City or Arsenal or or Spurs. And the only way Villa are ever going to truly be at the top again, winning trophies again, is not thinking. Well, I hope we get to the semi-finals and see what happens from there. I, I hope we get top four. I hope we get. It's believing we get number one. That's the only way, and that's clearly what Emery. That's his philosophy. That's how he sees things, and he's absolutely determined to get the very best out of these players, and absolutely determined to get the very best out of this great club. I, for one, am absolutely bloody loving this, and I can't wait to sit here in a week's time, trying to. Decipher why we just lost 4-0 to Luton. <laughs> I'm, I'm only joking, but yeah, we got Alkmaar next. Huge, really difficult. European footballs are different. As we found out against Zrinsky Moscow, or Moscow, Mostar, as we found out against Lechia Warsaw, European football is a totally different experience. It doesn't matter if you're Premier League, La Liga, you're playing any league in, you know, in Europe. Thursday night, floodlights. Against an away fan base, it's extremely excited. You know, in an empty arena, you probably win, but atmospheres do funny things. And, you know, European football is a different, it's a different experience. And that's something we're going to have to learn as we go along. We got that win we needed against Mostar, and hopefully we can get it at a very tough, very tough away day at Altmar. Um, but I, for one, am very excited because I'm always excited to see what Aston Villa do under Professor Unai. Please like and subscribe. I never ask for these things, but if you if you like what we do, please leave a nice review on somewhere. Um, Apple, iTunes, you know, because there's a million Villa podcasts. They're all brilliant. Everyone's great. I love every single Villa podcast and I love everybody, uh, you know, I've ever met through these podcasts. Um, but, you know, if you can just help us with the reviews, if you can subscribe on YouTube, do all these things. I love doing this. It you know, and I love meeting fellow Villa fans. I love meeting the fellow podcasters. We're all essentially we're all Villa fans, so we're all part of one great big 
team. It's a spiritual experience, really, watching this under Unai Emery. And I only hope it can continue for as long as it can. Thank you, Professor Unai. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Say something nice. But as I say, and as I'll always say, up the mighty villa. Thank you.